Okay, I'm going to be continuing today on the message that Pastor George brought two weeks ago when he spoke about junk food. So they even got, you could put that, um, that looks good, right? It never looks like that when you go to McDonald's, right? Just a picture. And Pastor George explained two weeks ago that symbolically junk food means the kind of teaching, the kind of ministry that we could take in that maybe seems good, but it isn't. See, and, and sometimes it can be hard to tell what, with, with ministry, with teaching and preaching what's junk food and not. With, when it comes to real food, it's easy. If it tastes good, it's, it's no good for you. It's junk food, right? If it tastes disgusting, then, oh, yeah, that's really healthy. You ever go to someone's house and they're making a smoothie made out of spinach, celery, carrots, and le- Oh, try some. This is delicious. That, that stuff ain't delicious, but it's good for you. See, with food, you can tell automatically. Then they say, oh, you got to develop a taste for it. How come you don't have to develop a taste for potato chips? Because it tastes good. And then they say that don't eat junk food because it has preservatives. I'll tell you the truth, CJ. At my age, I can use all the preservatives I can get. Yeah, you know what I also, hey Bert, you know what I always wondered? Can vegetarians eat animal crackers? Oh, he don't know either. So actually I have changed the way I ate. I was getting really heavy. I got so fat that when I went to get my shoes shined, I had to take the guy's word for it. Imagine that. In fact, one day I was in Pastor George's office and I sat, accidentally, I sat on his iPhone and it became an iPad. So I said, forget it. Tell him about it, Pastor George. I mentioned this before, but one time I was in church and somebody came to me and said, could you pray for me? I keep overeating all this junk food. Can you just pray to command that spirit of overeating to come out? So I went to the person and I said, spirit of overeating, come out. And the spirit said, I will for a cookie. Well, with the looks I'm getting from Pastor Melissa, I think I better move on now, right? I think she, she just passed her limit here for this stuff. So I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. It says, I can't impress this on you too strongly. And this is Paul the Apostle writing to Timothy, who was a pastor. He was a young pastor back then. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. 
He is about to break into the open with his rules, so proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch, challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit, just keep it simple. Verse three, you're gonna find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food right there in the word of God. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and choose mirages. But you keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. And here is Paul the apostle who was a mentor to Timothy. And he warned him that in these last days before the return of Jesus, people will not put up with sound teaching that's gonna challenge them, that's gonna require something, but they're gonna put around themselves teachers who are gonna tickle their ears, it says in the NIV, who are gonna tell them just what they wanna hear so they can be nice and comfortable, so that they don't get offended and leave with all the tithes and offerings. And Paul told Timothy, there are people that are going to do that, but not you. He, he said to Timothy, you preach the uncompromising, pure word of God. I'm, I'm going to repeat 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Paul told him, proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch challenge, warn, and urge your people, because back one chapter in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for what? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The purpose of the word of God is not to make me feel good and go home and say, wow, that was, that was a nice service. We had a nice time in church today. The purpose of the message, the purpose of the word of God is to challenge, to rebuke, to warn, to say, you're headed the wrong direction, turn back. But you gotta love people enough to tell them the truth because people don't wanna hear it anymore. As soon as you confront someone, oh, who are you to judge me? Why? Because I love you enough that to, I'm tired of seeing you ruin your life, to sit in the mess. See, rebuking and challenging, it doesn't mean condemning, it doesn't make mean feeling making you feel like garbage sometimes i've left sometimes i've left services feeling like i just got puked on any anyone else i end up feeling condemned and worthless that's not what it's talking about the true word of god will challenge you will make you leave from the place even if it's with a disease, even if it's with a sleeplessness, when I hear a pure word, I just feel so challenged that I want to be freer. I want more of God. I want to lay down everything that would hinder me. 
here's, here's what a true message is not, and here's the kind of message I've been hearing in churches everywhere lately. It, a true message is not, oh, I'm all messed up, my life is messed up, but praise God, he loves me anyway. That, that's the mess. That is not a preaching. That is a truth. God loves you in your mess on your worst day. He loves you. He accepts you. But that's not what preaching is. Preaching is, um, my life is a mess. But I'm not satisfied to stay in it. I'm going to keep on going forward. And here's how to do it. I appreciated Nathaniel, who, who preached on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, and that was his message. I'm struggling, I'm going through things, but God is working in my life. And when I left that Wednesday, I felt if God could do it for Nathaniel, maybe he could do it for me too. Maybe there are things that I can overcome. I'm tired of junk food. I'm tired of a message that's just going to make me feel comfortable for where, where I'm at. I want to be stretched. Here, here's a quote from Michael Brown. He said, if the words of Jesus challenge something I believe or challenge the way I live, the problem is not with Jesus, the problem is with me. The problem's not with the guy preaching. Don't leave mad at the preacher. Just thank God that there's someone loves you enough to tell you the truth. I, I, I believe that the people out there in the world, they're looking for a challenge. They're looking for something more. They're not looking just to hear messages that tells you, you're okay just where you're at. It's all good. It's all wonderful. And again, it's true. God loves you right where you're at right now. If you're in the worst mess you've ever been in, God is right there with you. But that, that doesn't help me. What helps me is I need to know how do I get out of this mess. See, there's power in the word of God. The, Jesus said that the truth will set you free. A true message will be freedom into your heart. It will, it will shine light into the dark places. Bring life into dead places in your life. Put you back on the right pathway. I'm, I'm going to read another scripture from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. And this is Paul the Apostle speaking. He said, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You, meet, you need milk, not solid food. See, even back then, the people were content with where they're at. They didn't want to hear a challenging message, which is what? Solid food. Why did Paul call it solid food? Because I got to chew on it. It might stick in your teeth after you go. It's something might take time to digest. 
See, that's a true word that's going to challenge you, mess with your mind, make you think, shake you up. Not tickle your ears. So what, what I want to speak about is how to tell the difference. I'm going to give a few. I, I can't give everything. We could be here forever. But I want to give you a, a, few, a few pointers on how to know it, whether something is junk food or the true word of God. And the first one I want to talk about is that there's balance in the scriptures. You know how cults start? They take one scripture out of the Bible and they forget about all the rest. I, I can convince you of anything in the scripture if you don't know the word. See, you better know the word of God in these last days because the Bible, Jesus warned that many will be deceived. If you don't have that word in you, you, you might fall for, some, for a lie, for a deception. And see, there's always got to be balance with the whole scripture. And I'm going to give you an example right now. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may, may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's a great scripture, right? Honor your mother and father, love them, obey them. So I can make a doctrine that no matter what my parents tell me to do, I got to do it. If they tell me to stop worshiping God, well, I need to be obedient. If they tell me I can't pray, well, I'm going to stop praying. But now let's go to Luke chapter 14, verse 25. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciples. What happened? I just went to the whole conference. I attended the conference to learn how to love my father and mother. Now I turn to this scripture says I have to hate my father and mother. Now I can make a whole different doctrine that, oh, it's okay to be rebellious. You don't have to listen to your parents. Some of them are looking worried already. I remember when I was a kid, anyone, no one remembers soupy sales, right? Oh, Bert remembers Soupy Sale. He came on the TV and told all the kids to go in their parents' pockets and look for the green pieces of paper with pictures of presidents and send them to him. That, that was way back in the day. See, he read that scripture, hate your parents, my father and mother. 
So which one is true? Do I love my father? Do I make a doctrine out of that? Or do I make a doctrine out of hating my father and mother? What I do is I look for the balance. I put it all together. And what is Jesus saying? Yes, you obey your parents. You love them with all your heart. But at the same time, Jesus was saying, the, you have to love me so much with so much passion that the love you have for any person should look like hatred. That if anyone should tell you to stop worshiping me, to stop praying, to stop believing, that you obey me before you obey man. See, there's balance in the word of God. I could pull out any scripture and begin to teach you anything. And if you don't know the whole word, I can convince you of a lie. See, some people teach that God is so loving that he overlooks my sin. He's pleased with everything I do. He doesn't care about my works. Based on what? Based on scriptures in the Bible that talk about love. And it's true. God loves me unconditionally. And there are scriptures that seem to say that all my sins are covered. It doesn't matter what I do. And, and many people have that doctrine today. It's totally all over the internet. Everywhere I go. Well, God doesn't care about what I do. He only looks at my spiritual life. And in the spirit, I'm fully forgiven. So I'm covered fully by God's love, so my works don't matter. But look at this scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And, we, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Well, which is it? Does God love me? And he... If I'm fully forgiven and it doesn't matter what I do, God doesn't see my sin anymore. I don't have to feel bad about things that I do anymore. Or, the, or is it like this scripture said? That if you don't obey his commandments, if you live a life where you're not obedient to God, then you don't have the truth in you and you're a liar. Which one is it? It's all true. We take the whole of scripture. Yes, God fully loves me. There's provision, there's grace, there's forgiveness. But my works matter. Works is not a dirty word. See, it, the Bible distinguishes dead works. Dead works is a dirty word. Let me tell you what dead works is. Dead works is my attempt to try to earn God's love. It's my attempt to try to please God in my own flesh. It's my attempt to try to do ministry through and trying to make something happen in my own strength. It's all dead, it's all worthless. Those kind of works, 
We, we need to lay it all down. But there's another kind of works where the Bible says we were created to do good works. In Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I thought works is a bad word today, Pastor. Everywhere I go, works. Don't tell me about what I do. I'm fully forgiven. But what does it say right here? That we need, when people see the good things that we do, they'll give glory to God in heaven. See, there's a difference. Those dead works I stay away from, but I am a co-worker with God. And together with him, I can live a holy life. I can lay down. I can break every addiction, everything that holds me back, everything that could destroy a marriage. We have the power to lay it down, and it matters. Your works matter. What you do counts in this world. In fact, Jesus said... One day we're going to have to stand before him and give an account for everything that we've done in this body. Yes, we'll be forgiven because of the blood we won't be condemned. But I don't want the last thing in this world. I don't want to stand before Jesus one day and explain to him how I never fulfilled what he gave me to do. I, I don't want to stand before him and give excuses why I was not a man of integrity and character. See, I love the power of God. I love the prophetic. I love to see people healed. But more than I want to do any of that, more than I want a big ministry, more than I want open doors, compared to being a true representative of Jesus on the earth. That when people, I want people to see my life and glorify God. Say, he, he, he's, the, he's an honest person. When he says something, he means it. When he makes a commitment, he keeps it. He had the heart of a servant. I want people to say that more than I want them to say, wow, he had a big ministry. Oh, he did a lot of great things. And again, I'm hungry and passionate to see miracles, to preach the gospel. I, I'm living for the days of great revival, a great move of God. But we're not going any place unless we watch our works, unless we examine our lives, how we speak to each other. Don't listen to any doctrine that tells you that the blood takes away the necessity to live with a pure heart before God. Of course we're not going to be perfect. If there's anyone as an example of not being perfect, it's me. 
but with all my heart. I, I want to live a life that's pleasing to him. And not only do I want to, that's what I wish for you. I want, I, want, I want to see you succeed in your marriage. I, I want to see you see, excel as parents. The way that you speak to each other. You know what Jesus said? People will know that you're my disciples, not by the miracles, not by how big the church building is, but by the way that you treat each other. And all I could tell you is since I've been a Christian, I haven't seen any speck of difference between the way people in church treat and talk to each other and the way they do it out in the world. You need to watch the words of your mouth. The power of life and death, the Bible says, is in the tongue. You could destroy someone. You can wound someone with the words of your mouth. Even just the way you might look at someone. Did you know that? You might be the nicest person. And then when they walk by, you roll your eyes. And you're bringing destruction in somebody's spirit. And then come with the excuse, oh, I thank God for his grace. Oh, oh, I'm not worried about that. It's all covered. It's all under the blood. No, it isn't. That's not an excuse. I mean, I could stand here today and tickle your ears. I know how to do that. I could just sit and tell you, oh, God, Jesus died to make you rich. And and you want to hear that message? Put on the TV. You'll hear that on almost 80% of the shows on TV. And I could look in the Bible and I I could give you scripture after scripture that would back that up. Where John prayed, I pray that you would prosper, the way that your soul would prosper, the way that your health would prosper, the way that you spiritually prosper. There's many scriptures that talks about prosperity. And I be- it's there, I believe in it. I'm believing God for every one of you that you're going to have more than enough, that there's financial breakthrough coming in your life. But the Bible also says that the, the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible also says if you have food and clothes, be content with that. That contentment with godliness is great gain. But nobody's going to preach that message because it's going to be hard to take a big offering if I tell you to be content. But if I could sit here and tell you, well, if you put your money in, you're going to reap a thousand-fold harvest because Jesus said that those who, that those who, who sow they will have a thousand times return. And I could start telling you that this is good soil, And before you know it, you got the money, you're putting it in, believing God for the big harvest. In the meantime, I never told you anything about the way you live your life. When do you hear that message along with the prosperity message? 
God wants you to be fully blessed. He is a good father. He is a good provider. The Bible says, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, all the finances coming into your lap. But if that's the focus of your faith, then you're in trouble. If that's what you live for, how many people I've seen walk out of church? Well, I was believing God that I was going to have money and it didn't come yet. Goodbye. Why? Because you heard a wrong message. The true message is lay down your life. See, a few weeks ago, Miguel preached a, a great message about resting in the Lord. That, that we're called to rest. That we're, called, that we're hidden under the shadow of his wings. That we don't have to fear. That we live and we can walk in the peace of God. And do you know that most of the time, that's how I want to live my life. I, I, I was really blessed by that message. I want to live my life like that. I want to live in peace. I don't want to face the enemy. I want to face Jesus. But do you know something? The scripture also says to endure hardship like a good soldier. It says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling an enemy. That there are times that I leave my peace and rest and I go to that devil. I say, you get out of my house. You're not going to touch my finances anymore. You see, there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. There's a time to fight. We got to look at the whole scripture. You, we can't just have doctrines. And, and I see so many people, that's their doctrine. Warfare. All they do, they want a war. In the meantime, they miss out on all the peace that Miguel was teaching us about. We're not called to just war. We're not just called to rest. We're called to live in the Holy Spirit. Okay, time to move on to the next one. The letter of the law versus the Spirit. Here's the next way that you could tell if you've been fed junk food. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He, who is God, has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And you know what that's called? Legalism. And it will destroy you. That make you feel like if you can follow a bunch of rules that that makes you right with God. And I'm going to give you a scripture to show you how it works. First Peter chapter 3 verse 3. 
It says your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And people take this beautiful scripture and instead of reading it in the Holy Spirit and looking at the spirit of the law, which is what? That for women, that their beauty should come within and, and, and not emphasize without. That's something that to free women. That's why he gave that scripture. So women could be free. So you don't have to be concerned with the standards of beauty of this world. That you are beautiful as a person because of your character of who you are. And, and it's saying to dress modestly. In other words, when you dress, don't dress in ways that's going to draw attention to you. But, but let people be drawn to who you are as a person. That's not just for men, women, that's for men too. So what do the legalists do? They read this scripture, such a beautiful thing, meant to bring freedom. And here it is again. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as hairstyles, gold jewelry, or fine clothes. But they take the letter of the law and they make a doctrine. Well, women can't wear jewelry. You can't make your hair nice. You can't look nice. You can't adorn yourself. And they lay a burden on your back. That is pure junk food. That is the letter of the law, and it will kill you because you'll never be able to live up to it. When you read, the, there was a man named Smith Wigglesworth, and he said, well, some read the Bible in Hebrew, and some read it in Greek, but I read my Bible in the Holy Spirit. You got to have the Spirit of God when you're reading. Because if you begin to take in the letter of the law, it, it's going to bring such condemnation and grief. People think that if you memorize enough scripture and you know enough, then boy, you're going to live an overcoming life. You're going to have it all together. If that was true, the Pharisees, the religious people back in Jesus' day, they would have rocked it out. Because they knew every scripture by heart. They studied day and night. But when Jesus came, who is the word of God, they didn't even recognize him. They rejected him. It's not reading the word of God alone. It's not having a lot of knowledge. But it's, it's understanding. It's looking at the word of God through the eyes of a loving father who wants to bless you, who wants to bring redemption and wholeness and healing. And he will not condemn you. You are not condemned. Matthew 23, verse 22. Whoever has the lights on, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm already done. I can turn over to the other side now. Man, it's mad hot up here. 
It was so hot the other day, I passed by Grant's tomb in Manhattan and the door was open. That was really hot. That would be funny if you knew what Grant's tomb was. Okay, Matthew 23, verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisee, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You know what we call that? Majoring on the minors. But look what Jesus told them, Matthew 23, 24, you blind guides, you strain water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat or a little bug, but you swallow a camel. What does that all mean? See, Jewish people, in, according to the Bible, can't eat little bugs. So before, back in those days, they were so conscious, so worried about eating that little tiny bug that they would strain out all their water to make sure that they didn't have even one little bug. Doesn't that sound holy? Jesus said, you, you didn't do that, but you swallowed a camel. In other words, you, you major on the things that are the least important, and you forgot about love and justice and compassion. Any message that shouts what God has whispered or whispers what God has shouted is junk food. See, all the messages about can you wear makeup, can you have tattoos, should you wear hats in church, oh, do I have to wear a suit on Sunday, should I go to church on Saturday or Sunday, should I tithe from the gross or the net, what kind of style of music should we have in church, those are all matters that need to be discussed, but Jesus said those are like gnats. Those are the minor issues. The major issue is did you love? Did you bring justice? Are you a faithful man or woman of God? See, a true word of God is going to build you up. It's going to encourage you. It's going to make you better because it's going to release the love of God over you. It's going to be about redemption. See, they were mad, and what Jesus was saying is that even though it's all the word of God and there's a place for all of it, there are weightier matters such as justice and love. So I, I, can, I, I could sit here and go through everyone and pick out something to tell you bad about yourself and make you feel worthless. And maybe, maybe the thing I tell you will be right. Maybe I could find something in the Bible to match up. The Bible says in the Old Testament talks about tattoo. Oh, you got a tattoo. Oh, God's not pleased with you. And what is the scripture saying? That, that's not the weighty matter, the thing God cares about. Do you love him? Are you a person of mercy? Do you show compassion? Do you bring justice? Do you help the poor? 
Everything else is pure junk food. All those arguments, endless arguments about is it Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday? And, and in Romans it says it doesn't matter. Don't let anyone judge you by that. Those are not the weighty matters of the scripture. I want to read a, a quote from Chris Volatin of Bethel Church. He said, when people encounter scripture without encountering Christ, they replaced relationship with religion. And I'm going to ask if the ushers can begin to serve the communion. What is he saying? That the Bible is about a relationship. My relationship is not with the Bible. My relationship is with Jesus. And as I open it up and I read the words of the Bible, I'm looking for deeper levels of intimacy. I want to hear from him. When you open your Bible, expect to hear from God. He wants to speak to you through it. It's not just a matter of, oh, I read this today. Oh, boom, oh, oh that was good. I got some good information. The information is not going to help you too much. But there's power in the word of God. And that power is released when I begin to read it by faith. When I hear Pastor George preaching on a Sunday and I open my spirit to that message. I open my heart and I say, God, you speak to me. There's power released and I'm going to ask for the worship team to come also. It's all about a, a merciful, loving God. And, and that's what a true word is going to do. A true word, it says in 1 Corinthians, it says it will encourage you, it will edify you, it will build you up, it will not condemn you. But I don't want, I don't need anyone tickling my ears. You know why I come on Sunday? Not to leave so and then go home. Wow, that was a nice service. Oh boy, that was, that was really pleasant. I come here to be challenged. I come here to be shaken up. I want to grow in God. I'm believing there's more for me. So as they're passing out the communion, can we, can, we, can we just all stand for a minute and just worship the God of the Bible, the one true God? <laughs> 